0: Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what is up, everybody? Mark on the mic here, joined by my good friend Ryan Muckenhurn. Now, Ryan, the other day, I took my girls shooting. Well, we went for a little walkabout, if you will. Mm. Uh, we're we're trying for uh, squirrels or rabbits. Uh, we got neither. I'm also thinking that if we're going to enjoy any level of success on any of our upcoming hunts where I'm trying to introduce my girls uh to to the uh to hunting it's probably got to be like a one-on-one a lot of talking, a little bit of fighting, <sighs> screaming, giggling, running around like I feel like uh I don't, I, I feel like one-on-one's going to be a little bit more uh Manageable. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I always enjoy when I'm on the telephone with you and you got your girls with you because it sounds just...
0: Chaos? (laughs) Yes. And then you're like, man, I'm glad that's not me. Good
1: father. (laughs) Very calm. Very collected.
0: So on one of these little missions that I bring up, I brought my uh, Savage Model 24. Sure. 22 over 410. I think the only gun that I own that you actually wish you owned... It's possible. It's possible. And I had the girls shoot it. I had some uh, subsonic twenty uh, twos, Those are Gila 62-grainers? 60-grainers. No, Why subsonics. do I always want to say the sniper subsonics? Anyway, you know, very quiet. We, uh, I think we had hearing protection with us as well. They shot it. They enjoyed it. But I became instantly aware that that gun, which is quite handy for me, was way too big for them. Length of pull. Yes, I mean, they might as well have been trying to fire a bazooka. Perhaps I think they might have tried to fire it like a bazooka because of the length of length of pull. Perhaps. So then it uh, broached the question in my mind. Well, maybe I ought to get my girls a youth twenty-two. Mm-hmm. So I got into work. Of course, I inquired with you. You are my gun oracle. And some of the models that I was initially looking at, which I'm still, I'm not not looking at them, but you gave me some things to consider that I wasn't thinking about. So with that in light, what are your thoughts on youth 22s? What are some things that people might want to consider?
1: First, I like the idea of a 22 over a BB gun of any kind. Really? I do. Cuz I was even thinking that. Well, maybe we need to start there. Well, and I don't think a a pellet gun or a BB gun's a bad idea. I think that if I look back at my own youth, and perhaps I was a well, me and the neighbor kids, I guess we were all the same. I developed some complacency because I I had in my head that a BB gun was not a 22. A 22 was something far more dangerous. And I would say that, as a lad of seven eight, nine, I probably mishandled those, knowing that a BB gun couldn't do it a twenty two could. so my thought— still
0: very much quite dangerous fact. With potential to inflict
1: serious bodily harm, yes, but in in the mind of the nine year old version of me, I looked at it. well, it's not twenty two like I can be potentially careless with it if the twenty two on the other hand. Struck fear of God into me, as it should. Yes, and um, when I started using one of those with a great deal more frequency, I became far more conscientious of safety, of uh, downrange, you know, trajectory, what it could or couldn't do, that kind of thing. And that, of course, it's a training issue, right? That's a conversation that you have with your well, youngster.
0: Well, and so, so let me let me flip this on you real quick. Though. Sure, we've established that BB guns. You know, your, which I'm calling, you know, your your traditional... Daisy Powerline 880. Which is... Stomper. Those are pretty accurate. I agree. Pretty powerful. Absolutely. Use those on a wide variety of species as a youth. Very deadly, too. In fact. So, I went hunting with a youth one time. They had... I think they had a 22 with them. And I think they were probably, you know, 12, 13. And about every five seconds... Watch your muzzle. Hey, watch your muzzle. Sure. Don't point that at me. Watch your muzzle. Don't, And, I, like, to the point where this kid, like, he's getting annoyed with me, and I'm like, I'm about to take that away from you. Sure. Like, quit pointing your gun at me, right? So, with a BB gun, like I said, I'm not saying that they're not dangerous, but if something were to happen, you might get away with something where you might not with a twenty-two.
1: I agree. So, Which- maybe
0: during that training process, like, if somebody makes a very blatant mistake you get away with something.
1: Which in itself is some form of complacency or acceptance of it not being as potentially cataclysmic as its 22 counterpart, which if I could go back in time and re-educate myself, I would have started with the 22. I would have developed the fear and the knowledge of um, you know, trajectory, terminal ballistics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, a little bit handier perhaps. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. Right. It's all a training thing, Okay. So I think a twenty-two is a great thing though. Here okay, here's my big here's my big shtick on on pellet guns, BB guns. A lot of times there's complex mechanisms involved. We Okay. We have loading gates that we have to pour dozens of projectiles into. Yeah. There's a uh an action of some kind on the Power line 880 that Mark and I both affectionately loved. There's like a little bolt you open up and close, and then you got to pump it a bunch of times. And then there's a cross bolt safety. And this is potentially a lot of things for a youngster to manage and to comprehend. And what was the safety, you know, that kind of thing. And and again, it was fine. I grew up and I didn't shoot myself or my neighbors or anything I wasn't supposed to. But when I'm looking at it, like if I were a parent, how would I start? And I would start that way i would start with something like a 22 that was manageable that you could see hold and feel a projectile we could load just one at a time there wasn't a reservoir of bbs that could be inadvertently loaded that kind of thing it makes a loud noise it has distinct recoil there are intentional manipulations of the action to load or reload there is a definite safety there's no complex pumping mechanism that kind of thing i think it's a better tool to start with my opinion that's where I'm at. I do love the Daisy Eight Eighty. I know I want one. Again. Many
0: fond memories. Yes. I think I still might get one.
1: I agree. I think they're forty bucks, fifty bucks. Yeah, they're like fifty bucks. Yeah. Set up a little steel gallery in the backyard. Shoots BBs or pellets. Yep. Yeah, yep. that
0: you know that little reservoir they're talking. about. That's how you know you you give it a, shake, give it a and shake, and you shake you know you're yes. ready to go. Correct.
1: But I'd like to go back in time, re-educate myself with a 22.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, initially, when I was like thinking of a 22 for. The girls to use supervised. I was thinking something along the lines of uh, uh, the chipmunk, the cricket, uh, something very small, something petite, single shot. My first 22 was a Remington 22, which was a single shot with the, uh, you know, manual firing pin on the rear. What would you call that? What is that called?
1: You, you could you could call it, you know, manual firing pin or a cocking piece. Cocking piece. Yeah, maybe. so the That's bolt, what, yeah. Mark's referring to is like on a conventional bolt-action rifle. Upon either opening or closing the action, the cocking piece engages, right? It's a manipulation of the action itself that arms that component. Mm. The manual cocking piece is like you can open and close the action all you want. There's another step involved that you have to pull back. Uh, cocking piece on the rear of the bolt to cock the gun. Mm -hmm. All the bolt is doing is opening up the ejection or loading port to facilitate feeding or loading of another round.
0: Right. Yeah. To me, that seemed like very optimal for observing and controlling. Like, it seemed like a very controlled system for, like, loading, shooting, unloading the rifle. Um, Like, very intentional.
1: Which I still think it is. It's true.
0: But you kind of had some other... like I don't think you were like necessarily anti, but you're like, well, here's some things to think about.
1: I I do. I have some different thoughts on that. A few things. A lot of these guns come in bright and fun colors. Of course, it would be your choice to pick, whether you got a bright and fun color. But when I see a little blue gun or a little pink gun, I think sometimes a a young shooter, and again, this is all how that shooter was developed or raised or, or trained or whatever might disassociate the danger with fun colors. And, you know, maybe we wouldn't want to pick one that had a brightly colored stock.
0: Something to think about.
1: Yep. On those manual controls, to your point, absolutely. Weapon cannot be fired until it is deliberately cocked. Where my concern comes from, and this was as a youth firearm safety instructor, was we'd be on a line and we had some of these guns. And so they'd go through the loading process. Of course, a lot of these youngsters are kind of nervous as they're loading these guns, you know, this is their test and and they really want to get that certificate and make mom or dad proud and and that kind of thing. If they forgot that and remember that, oh gosh, I have another step in the process. Now I have to break my mental focus on trigger control or muzzle control and manipulate this secondary system that's on there, that cocking piece. And many times, I couldn't count perhaps, that youngster would be in the firing position ready to go. And they'd be like, oh, shoot. And they'd use their offhand while well, their trigger finger was still on the trigger guard to go manipulate that. I was like, oh, stop. You know, you want to get your finger out of there, you know, and use your trigger hand to pull that back. Or they'd lift the gun up and they'd start potentially, you know, breaking muzzle control mm-hmm. rules that we have, you know, uh, in order to manipulate that lever. And it's a, a layer of complexity that while it is a safe design, could inadvertently create an unsafe situation hmm. and that's why i'm not super keen on that mm-hmm. um, it's also something that you don't see carried over into a full-fledged um, like hunting rifle right? sure and so i think that you develop a skill with wash and repeat right and you do that over and over and over again and you become versed in the manipulation of some sort of mechanical device and so if it was me, and I was going to be uh, kind of culturing this young shooter into being a proficient marksman or markswoman. I would want something that would emulate whatever system that they would be using uh, as they grew older, grew larger, and could handle you know, a large caliber of some kind. So here's a great case in point. Uh, Ruger makes this phenomenal rifle called the American. Yes. It's affordable. It's, it's easy to use. shoots very well. It has uh, tang safety, much like your Browning does. It has a bolt. It has a detachable box magazine. They make the same gun in a 22, and they make it in a 22 youth model that has a stock that you can replace the module on the back of it to increase length of pull. So now you're... Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now your small statured youth shooter has a safe platform with less stuff to worry about, a manual safety... There's no cocking piece, a detachable box magazine. I can render the rifle fairly useless, fairly quickly by taking the magazine out, clearing the chamber. Right. We can put the magazine in. We can load it from the magazine. We can load it single feed. They have a deliberate off to the safety, a deliberate on to the safety, and when disengaged, their focus is where it should be, and then they can take that shot.
0: Do you happen to know, we might look it up while we're here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the length of pool on I'd have to,
1: I'd have to look that up
0: on the shorty version. I'm gonna bet of that.
1: somewhere around ten to eleven
0: because I know in some of them, like the I'd say yeah, most of I'd say the shorter ones I feel like they're in like the eleven eleven five mm-hmm. range, mm-hmm. and then the longer ones are in the you know twelve to
1: thirteen. Sure, and that off the top of my head that could be a tricky thing because if your shooter had a length of pull requirement that was smaller than that yet you know it that might not be very easy to use but again i i don't want to take away from the designs that implement that uh, manual cocking right mm. because your your point is 100% correct like it is a deliberate thing that has to be done and if the training and the supervision is correct i think that it doesn't really present an issue i think that it could present an issue and if there's anything that i've learned from um teaching new or young shooters how to shoot is that when that person who's instructing on the line says whoa stop and we do it with a sense of urgency because we don't want there to be a problem mm-hmm. a lot of times they get kind of scared and off put about the whole situation well you're already a little bit nervous and sure sure so i'm uh, i'm unable to at this moment find which out. i would say as you should be sure it's a very serious thing yep Savage also makes I guess you don't
0: want somebody to be nervous to the point where like they're making mistakes that they wouldn't you know what I mean but yeah. like you definitely want to you know I, th- I think that comes from respect yes from the firearm so
1: that, that nervousness is coming from a good place yes Savage makes a nice one too I think got a little mark II compact and so all the same controls that you'd find on on the regular mark II or the 93 series mm-hmm. similar controls that you'd find on like a full-size bolt action you know we've got a, a bolt that opens up a safety mechanism for forward, backward, on or off, you know, and and no other layer of potential complexity into that system to, you know, keep that youngster from doing the right thing.
0: Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, like we can talk about, oh, youth 22s, right? Well, how do you qualify youth? Like my, my girls are seven and nine and they're actually, they're both like, you know, I wouldn't say that they're in the upper percentile, of height in their respective Mm -hmm. classrooms, right? Like, they're pretty petite. So, like, youth could be that. Youth could be, you know, a 13-year-old. Sure. You know what I mean? So, I
1: think it's like... Even a small-statured adult. Sure. Why not?
0: I did like the point that you made about, like, that Ruger American, or I've got, you know, this, you know, Henry makes lever action, Mm -hmm. youth 22. Mm -hmm. Again, like, that form factor is going to carry over to... You sure. know, I guess that platform of sporting arm sure. as you go larger in caliber. You got the Mossberg International 702 Plinkster Bantam. That's got a length of pull of uh, 12.25. It's like a little bit more than, but not not too much more than some of the, you know, the Savage Rascal, the the Cricket, you know, that, that chipmunk. Um, and
1: those are petite rifles.
0: I'd say those are for like... You know, your I mean, your little littles. Your little littles. Yep. Which I don't think is a bad time to get somebody started shooting.
1: Nope. I yeah. started effectively when I was five, mm-hmm. um, was the first foray. And then uh, my grandfather was my, my tutor and mentor into that. And then, and I was a big kid. Like, I wasn't like a little kid. Mm-hmm. I moved into a Ruger 1022 at about six and then a single shot 20 gauge at the same time. 1022 at six? Mm hmm. Yeah. A lot of these little, um, like the, the rascal, the cricket, the chipmunk, they didn't really exist, or at least they weren't commonly available to my knowledge at that time. Um, so nothing like that was, was on scene. And of course, grandpa had a kind of a pile of ten twenty twos to choose from. So <laughs> we, uh, we did that. I, and, and you know, it's funny. I was talking about BB guns earlier. He bought me a BB gun. Mm-hmm. He bought me the Daisy power line 880, much to the chagrin of my father. He was not impressed with that. And uh, I remember the the first time that we kind of set out for the introduction to ballistics, we'll call that. And, like, what what is the difference between a BB gun and a twenty two? And he would take a Yellow Pages book, um, and he would bind them with duct tape, okay. tape them up. And then we would shoot into them. He would put the little Caldwell stick-on targets to it, the little orange ones, you oh, know, sure. with black diamond yeah. in the middle. And then we'd shoot into it, and then we'd take apart the book, and we'd go through there. and And he would... I remember distinctly him saying like, this is why you don't mess around with the 22 kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but the BB, the steel BB would be embedded just barely subsurface mm-hmm. on that. And the 22, you know, he'd go, he'd start pulling pages and pages, to page. We find that slug in there much deeper. Right. And he would, he exemplified to me like, this is why a 22 is such a dangerous tool if misused, because it absolutely has penetrative capability and power,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: real power. So when you, touch and handle this thing, understand that this is a whole different ball game. And so that it was kind of a double edged sword. Like the little shyster in me was like, ha ah, 22, you know, I could do some serious work on a raccoon with it. Ha ha, BB gun. I won't get in as much trouble, perhaps. That was just me.
0: I will say from a volume shooting thing for me growing up. You know, we lived in I guess like the suburbs or whatever. Yeah. Um I guess maybe it was a subdivision. I don't know. Maybe everything's a subdivision. It kinda of was like it was, but it's also like not what we have today mm-hmm. at the same time. Dude, I shot that Daisy 880 80, eighty every day. Absolutely. That was what we Get home from school. Yep. Crack a soda. Yep. Heat up spaghettios. Yep. Sit outside. Yep.
1: Oh uh, I'm telling you, summer, like cut my teeth on a on a BB gun.
0: Thousands of rounds. Call up my neighbor or Corey. BBs and pellets, yeah.
1: Yep. Call up my neighbor Corey. Call up my neighbor Cody. What do you want to do? Let's go hunting. And we just run around, house sparrows beware. Yeah. Yeah. And we tear around the woods with that thing.
0: So I guess where I'm going, taught I taught me
1: the fundamentals of marksmanship.
0: I know this podcast, you know, was youth 22s, but, but I got a lot of reps in. Yes. A lot of reps in because I could shoot the air rifle in my backyard. I agree. And we had a pretty secluded backyard like you couldn't really see into it, like big trees, you know, we're in the PNW, so big trees, big hedges, you know, uh, a lot of, you know, we had the privacy to do so without your neighbors going, hey, what's going on? They may have been curious about the level of feathers in their backyards periodically, but, and I regret some of that. Lessons
1: lessons of our youth, Mark.
0: Lessons of our youth, Yes. yes. Okay, another good one. And again, you know, carries forward the um, Ruger. Sure, has a Youth 22 as well
1: in the, the 1022 model. Yeah, yeah, yep. The
0: 1022 compact. Yep, pretty cool gun. And I think a lot of us in this world have a Ruger 1022. I guess you know, full size. So that's a good one.
1: It is. The question to ask is: Do you start with a single shot? In either a bolt or or like the conventional hinged receiver, do you start with a repeater in a bolt, or do you start with a repeater in something like the ten twenty two or uh, the Marlin Model sixty or the seven hundred two Plinkster from Osberg? That's a hard call, right? I think if again if I could go back in time and instruct myself, I would have something like the Little Savage Mark two, the Ruger American, a bolt action, turn bolt, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm uh semi automatic of the ten twenty two, I think I would have just burned through way too many twenty two shells. <laughs> <laughs> A little too much fun. Yeah, right. I
0: I don't disagree that I that your standard turn bolt or even the um you know the lever action. Oh
1: sure. Yeah.
0: Holds the you're gonna you're likely, I would feel, to be more intentional with your shooting. Sure. And I think with the fundamentals over just pure fun.
1: With the turnbolts, too, we have a little bit of an opportunity for ammunition flexibility. So we could load in those super calibris from a GIA. And those are those, you know, they're 500 feet per second, mm-hmm. little 20 grain projectile. So we're really in, in the same level of ballistics as we would find in a, a lot of like pellet guns and 22s. Sure. Or, uh, BB guns, excuse me. Or you could heavier load, projectile. Yeah. You could go to a, a 22 quiet or a CB of some sort and manually feed those rounds. So now we've re- reduced the volume impact on the newer shooter, and we've got limited range application, that kind of thing. And you kind of a blend to both worlds. They still see a shell like a cartridge, right? And so there's, I think, some immediate recognition there that this okay is pretty serious, um, and of course it still is. But you know, maybe a little bit better of an approach there. Whereas the say a ten twenty two for instance could feed those but you would be straight pulling the action. Right. A concession perhaps.
0: A concession perhaps or okay. essentially converting it in some ways to a little bit more of that, you know, manual operation. Yep, certainly. Um in the same breath though, like I feel like what you learn on is what you learn on mm-hmm. and as long as you have the respect for the firearm that it deserves. Yes everything will be just fine
1: yeah and again that's that's the that's in the hands of the supervisor mm-hmm. to to make sure that those fundamentals are instilled perhaps and then for the user to maintain those fundamentals anything else we need to be
0: thinking about here
1: oh, i think it's just such a delightful time i mean you get a youngster a lot of options yeah youngster out or a new shooter out and you know, once you go over the ins and outs of everything, I'll tell you one of the best training tools out there is a, a steel target, you know, or the proverbial pop can. Sure. I mean, the, the, the original
0: steel target. Yeah, correct.
1: That instant gratification, um, that audible and, and visual clink of that, man, that makes a big difference.
0: You know, I kind of forgot about that until now, how many pop cans
1: I've shot in my life. That's the best part about a can of soda.
0: I was going to say, my, you my, it twice. my soda immediately got thrown into the yard. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You enjoy it twice. Um, I think it's a big deal, right? So, you know, we're trying to put a precedence on accuracy and all that kind of thing. But within limitation, you know, you develop that in a, in a younger shooter, but to be able to hit a target the size of a soda can or, you know, a small steel plate. We've all seen those little spinner targets that you can mm-hmm. get. Hours of fun, low impact, safe, and that instant gratification reaction to hit, you know? Right. Yeah. That's that's a big deal.
0: For sure. E- even from, uh, like, did I hit it? Yeah. You know, like if you're shooting an open sight BB gun or even a 22 at, you know, like a black target. You know, it's just paper. You're like, oh, let's go check the target. with the other one, like, I got it.
1: Yeah. And can you imagine, you know, a young shooter who's just getting into it, they see a, a group, maybe they don't understand necessarily what's an exceptional group and what's a group. But if they are trying to get some sort of precedence of accuracy and they see that, you know, mom or dad shoots a real tight little group and then they shoot a big one, they might be a little dissuaded from that. Whereas that that reaction to hitting the steel target or the pop can, the pop can goes flying or the steel target spins. Well, they did the job. They did it right. Mm-hmm. And they, mm-hmm. I think that's a, a big deal. Well, it's a progression too. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it's not like you're going to say, oh, this is your first time out. You need to start shooting bug hole groups, you right. know, and like be like, they're like, look, look at the group that shot. And then you're like, that's a three-shot group. You need to shoot a five-shot <laughs> group. That doesn't count. Like, Dad, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yell at your kids, you know, demean them into performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I think the main thing for me right now as it stands would be, fitment absolutely that's going to be my number one and and that's where where i'm personally at i may gravitate towards one of those single shot bolt rifles Mm -hmm. um like you i agree like in a in a black or a walnut or whatever it is i don't want it to appear you know i mean i guess you know in some ways maybe you're dogging on some manufacturers i don't want i don't want it to appear as a toy because it is not a toy
1: certainly not and I don't think that's their intent either. No,
0: the intent comes from a good place yes. of being, getting kids excited yep.
1: about the shooting sports. Yeah, 100%. But I want it to look, feel, and act as much, and I mean it is a firearm, right? This is obvious. I want it to look, feel, and act as much of a firearm as it possibly can. Because it is. Correct. Yeah. yeah.
0: But beyond that, or beyond fitment, I think I... Probably would lean towards something like that if, like, if it, if they could shoot it well and it fit their body and it wasn't awkward, like, like you said, that Ruger American, the tank safety and the bolt, and just because it's like, yep, now if we want to go hunting, guess what, girls? It's the same thing but bigger with most of the rifles that I have that they might use.
1: You might have some lefties too, right?
0: Yeah, I might have one of each. Oh, gosh. We haven't done the eye dominance thing yet. So I'm hoping that we don't have any cross-eye, but we will cross that bridge when we come to it.
1: I didn't find out that I was cross-eye dominant until I was an adult.
0: I didn't know you were. And I was doing a
1: lot of... Why am of, I only
0: finding this out about you right now?
1: I have a subtle cross-eye dominance. So
0: how do you... Every time I've seen you shoot, you just... You right hand, right eye.
1: lot of repetition. Okay. Yeah. Subtle... Subtle cross-eye dominance. Learned that when I was shooting left-to-right crossers in sporting plays, practice. I had struggled with left-to-right crossers. And so, with a coach, dig into a pack, and he put a small sticker over my left eye. It's like one of those little stickers you see that uh, you go to the garage sales, they put the 10 cents on. Right. Stuck that right in the center of my shooting lens.
0: Right on? Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: I said, well, what am I supposed to do with this? Just shoot the target. It's like a game-changer. Game changer, and then when I started coaching trap, and that was I got me a little bunch of them stickers from the Joanne Fabric Store Ooh. or Walmart. I can't remember.
0: Got them in bulk.
1: Yep, carried those with, and we have newer kids coming onto the team, and um, you know they'd be shooting and struggling with birds, anything that had movement to it. Well, not not just that, straightaway birds too. We look at how they're holding the gun, how their head's going on the gun, or are they trying to favor to that left eye while they're looking down it and put that little sticker on there and poof, game changer
0: another consideration we're talking about considerations try and sort that out i guess before you go to the store and
1: yeah know, i just struggled with it out. for a long time left to right birds and rabbits man i hate sporting clays rabbits no good reason either I just woke up one day and i was like man i hate sporting clays rabbits that's not good i like
0: those ones went a whole
1: season without touching a single one <laughs> <laughs> they're wild
0: yeah did we miss anything
1: no, I, I, I should say, too, I realize I came off kind of fuddish there. In the beginning, I still think a BB gun's a wonderful tool. Uh, to your point, a yeah. lot of repetition. I, I don't want to dismiss it, but I... Well, I, I think, mean, I get
0: what you're saying, yeah, but I, I think there's so many advantages at the same time.
1: I agree, yes. Uh, and as long as that there's immediately an installation of, you know, this is not a toy.
0: Well, and going back to the pop can... I think, like, like, huh, that put two holes in that thing and kept on going into the dirt. Sure. I don't want that hitting me. No. Or another person or anything I don't, you know, right. errant window. Right. Something like that. Cool, man. I'm excited. A little lever gun, too, that'd be. Yeah, I know. That'd be pretty sweet. I know it. After we've been talking about all these lever guns on the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm all lever gunned up. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm undecided. Well- Yeah, I'm undecided. Good news is,
1: you got two kids.
0: There you go. I got, yeah, exactly, two kids. And like we talked about, the right-handed, left-handedness, I think I might have one of each. I'll have to figure that out. Put two
1: pieces of paper on the table, two pens. Write your names.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so they both write left-handed. Oh. But they will address things from a sporting perspective. Right-handed and left-handed. Like one does right and one does it like automatically left most of the time.
1: Not to dog on lefties, but you know our very own Paul Niece is a left-handed shooter. Mm-hmm. But I think he writes right-handed.
0: And I think he's right-eye dominant.
1: What happened? Classic mix-up.
0: Oh, gosh. But you know what? Here's here's what I like about that. He's overcoming it and he's a very successful hunter and shooter.
1: I have to ask my little big brother whether he's... Cause so I don't know if he's left-handed, right-handed, left eye dominant, right eye dominant, mostly ambidextrous. He's got a lot going on. He's an athlete though, so he can. Yeah, he's managed all that.
0: Something to sort out. Yeah, I'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll do some of the experiments, and they're getting to the point, you know, in their age where like we can do the thing, and I think they can articulate, you know, what they're seeing. You know, sure. Um, a couple different ways too. Maybe we can do a quick podcast on that. Couple different ways to figure out. Get him a bow. Which is your dumb. Just put a bow eye. on
1: the table. Put an arrow on the table. Let's make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That's the true test. Yeah. Cool. Well, while I'm figuring this out, I'd be curious to ask the listeners out there who have kids have mm. they figured it out? What route did they go? What did you learn on as far as a 22 goes? Was it a, a quotation mark youth 22? Did you just get the big boy set up and run with it? At the end of the day, it probably worked just fine. Yeah, what would you do? What have you figured out? What do you like? What are your thoughts? And until next time, happy hunting and
1: shooting. See you. Bye.
0: All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Give us a review or leave a comment. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have a question or topic suggestion, let us know that as well via the Vortex Nation podcast YouTube page or any of Vortex's social platforms. That helps us cover exactly what you want to hear so we can provide the best information to help you with your hunting, shooting, and related activities, and ultimately enjoy them to their fullest potential. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.